And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rufino. Alongside me is my counterpart, Joe DeLeon. Good evening. Good, sir. On your powder blue North Carolina shirt. Why do you got to point out the shirt, man? Why do you got to point out the shirt? I, this, is a, this is a home field apparel shirt. It is a very weird... So a while back over Christmas, did the mystery box because they were half off or whatever. Thought it would be fun to get some new school's gear. I think they give, gave me the worst shirt that they have on the website. Which but is, I decided to wear it. It says Tar Heel Born, which I, I've been to North Carolina like three times. I did not go to the school, so it does not make any sense. But it's a nice shirt, so I'm wearing, I'm wearing it right now. As former LSU National Championship winning head coach said, uh, Ed Orgeron said, that sissy blue shirt about UCLA, UCLA. who, which we will talk about today because, Joe – the UCLA fans have gone back on Facebook to your video about. Oh no! Did, did they really? Yes. <laughs> and are commenting oh. about because DeAnton Lynn made a massive offensive coordinator hire today, in or the other day, and Eric Bieniemy going to UCLA. So we'll talk about that. Why are they coming back to the video? The beat, like, did they know that they were hiring Eric Bieniemy? Neither of these things are related. My. Um, by the way, my take when we get to that, Blake, Bienemy should have been the head coach. That's what doesn't make any sense to me. That's also, what's, what's really make, weird. Well, it also is what makes it that much better of a of a hiring. Yeah. There's there's and two can I sides be honest of it. with you. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. You Chip leaving UCLA might have pissed UCLA UCLA off to go and spend some money. Joe, he's gonna he's gonna get a million and a half. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what his contract ends up being. Oh, they gonna, it's going to be a million and a half, two million. Watch. But it should have been the other way around. He should have been the head coach. I I think that it would have been a great head coach hire if they did it. And they, um, oh, my God, what's the name of the, the guys? That they, the, no, 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 not the Anton Lynn. It's um, Eric Bieniemy. No, the, the, the coach, the head new head coach of UCLA. Is it Elliot? DeAnton Lynn. DeAnton Lynn's not the UCLA oh, coach. Char yeah, DeAnton Lynn. Oh, no, not no, DeAnton no, Lynn. <laughs> God dog it. DeAnton Lynn is the defensive coordinator that left to go to and USC. went to uh, USCC. A couple of days off, and we're already tripping. Already rusty. My whole point is, though, uh, I'm shocked. Yes. I am shocked that Biennemi is taking an offensive coordinator job. Okay. Okay. Too many names. <laughs> but it says his name, Deshaun Foster. But I got it yes. wrong because you were so pissed off that DeAnton Lynn didn't get the head coaching job. Yeah. There's plenty of other people that they should have hired, and I'm sure Foster might be fine, and he's going to get help from the enemy. Uh, 1,000%. And look, Joe, I, I tell you, as a guy who is also wearing a home field apparel shirt that says Tigers on it, I don't know how I feel about this with UCLA coming to Baton Rouge. I mean, look, Duke can call plays with a defense that was not that good last year. So you, you, I'm not saying LSU is going to lose by any means. All I'm saying mm -hmm. is, the, can they not get to 30 points? Is Garrett Nussmeyer got to go out there and get 40-plus? Like, what are we talking about here? And, Joe, at that point, you're not going to know what they're running. I mean, it's going to be completely different on what the enemy is running there, too. John Michael Sturdivant is also a really talented receiver. They've got a couple other 
explosive uh, weapons on that roster. I have no idea who's going to be playing quarterback going into next season because there's a long offseason to figure that out. But, I mean, to your point, that game could become an unexpected dogfight, and it could be an early talking point for the uh, the 2024 season. Right. Not the only coaching hire we'll talk about. Dale McGee is going to be the next head coach of Georgia State. But, Joe, we're also going to talk a little bit in there, too, I would assume. Uh, just what Kirby Smart's done, uh, a lot like his mentor in Nick Saban, Joe. When when you got that many coaches, great coaches on your t- on your staff, you they're going to get plucked. And another Kirby Smart assistant is going elsewhere. So we'll talk about that as well. But your thoughts on uh, on Dell McGee? Uh, yeah, this moved very quickly, and I'm I'm just. I'm glad that with the circumstance of the way that it happened and we spoke very negatively of how this was handled by the previous coaching regime, for them to get somebody as high quality as McGee who is so tied to the region, who had been there uh, at Georgia Southern, who had been at Georgia for such a long time, it's a good hire. It's a really, really good hire. And I would have argued that Del McGee maybe would have ended up at a lower level P5 school. So for... uh, Georgia State to pull this one out. It's a really great move. And as you talked about, a lot of guys keep getting pulled from this Georgia coaching staff. So back to back to the drawing board. Not the only thing that we'll discuss. I think the big topic on our plate here today, Joe, was on Friday. It was announced, uh, or not technically announced. It happened in court, but then was announced to people that obviously wasn't in court. But was announced that the NCAA in the states of Virginia and Tennessee cannot make or do any investigations on NIL. Uh, And it's a temporary restraining order and injunction on the NCAA for Tennessee and any school inside the state of Virginia. I'm assuming we're going to disagree on this, okay, Uh, mainly due to the fact that I think that this is more deadly to the sport than some people realize. I think we'll just rehash what we've talked about, but I don't think people understand. I talked to a P5 coordinator today, like literally this morning. He calls me and tells me that a a very big-time recruit was on a plane like this week going to a school because other schools around the country are saying, well, we'll just sue the NCAA and call it NIL. This is a massive Massive problem that people are not understanding. When you have a coordinator that's in the SEC saying a top five, a top five recruit in the country was on a plane this week, going somewhere where he, by the way, he's already committed. Okay. Okay. No, I'm not talking about Bryce Underwood for all the LSU people. I know that's where minds will go. Joe, I, I just think it's a problem, man. I don't disagree that this is inherently an issue. My biggest thought on this is that the NCAA has mishandled the entire thing. They had not only wait, wait, not only before we're going to get into this, not only were they responsible for the, these actions being capable of occurring, but because they tried to retroactively do what they did, they made the situation 10 times worse. I'm going to save my full take on this. This new administration didn't let that happen. Charlie Baker did not allow this to happen. He's the new NCAA president. He's the guy that was brought in to 
ramp, like go through all of this. But his decision making made an already messed up situation ten times worse. By trying to be more restrictive, he made it more wide open he because he didn't he have the forethought to read. He just investigated. Like wh- why? Right, right. Let's let's save this for okay. when we get into it. Let's save. It all right. We well. All I'm going to say is, and I'm going to let you get your bearings under you, because I have been thinking about this for three days. I have two pages full of notes. You better pack a lunch, buddy, because here we go. All right. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Rack of Titties, 69 on YouTube, says, good evening, uh, I can't escape him. Jesus Christ. He's on Why every show. Why is this show. your biggest follower? I don't know. I like, actually, I will say, I'm being negative. Rack's very nice. He's very nice. It's just really problematic. I have to be very careful what he comments sometimes. Um, because he like the other day on Friday, he was trying to initiate fights with, with other media oh, members saw. between me and Sean. So that was it. He keeps also asking every time I do a mailbag, does it matter the show? He asks who would win in a fight or who I think I could beat in a fight, and he asks amongst all of my current co-hosts. Including you, including Matt Sims, including Ryan, including Sean. Okay, well, well, let's 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 figure this out really quick. No, we're not talking you, about this. I okay, don't. Well, what about me? Do you think? How do you think you fare in a fight? You're a lot larger than me, so no, <laughs> I'm not going to beat you in a fight. So I'm not. That's so why I don't want to answer the goddamn question. <laughs> I'm so sick of him asking it. That's funny. Uh, Adam says Dowling on YouTube says we love college because it's not pro football. Great point. He says, well, who would win? I'm not answering it. But quit asking. <laughs> All right, Nick Saban. No. I'm not going to answer, so quit asking. That was the reference that I was making. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share if you're on Facebook. Do us a favor. Share to your own social media pages. Share to all those Facebook groups. You're watching us, listening to us on YouTube. Like, subscribe and notification bell, and wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe uh, as well. Joe, let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Let's dive into the NCAA versus Tennessee. We talk about that next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. We're back. Okay. Unmute yourself, Joe. There you go. All right. Joe, on Friday, let's waste no time with this. Let's get right mm-hmm. into it. Joe, on Friday, it was announced that Tennessee and the state of Virginia won primary for now, a temporary injunction or what you could basically call a temporary restraining order on the NCAA, and it lists a lot of things. Basically, in a summarization, the way that I read this from the court 
is that the NCAA in the states of Virginia and Tennessee cannot investigate NIL violations uh, because of the antitrust law, yada, 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 yada. Joe, let me let me start off by saying one thing. The court ruling, okay, where it may be fair to figure out everything that's going on, okay, I understand. But it might be, for college, the worst ruling that we've ever had. Can I tell you why? Why? Because now you're a Notre Dame fan, correct? Yep. Who is their top recruit not named Deuce Knight? Current top recruit? Yes. Uh, just, just throw one out there that's committed at the current moment. Uh, uh, CJ Carr. CJ Carr. Joe, there's absolutely nothing stopping me right now from getting him on a plane, paying for him to come where I currently am, paying for him to stay, doing an NIL deal with him to come to the school that I want him to go to and flying him back home. That is precedent for a horrible situation in college athletics. I understand, and I don't disagree. This is, in the grand scheme of things, not a bad thing for the fact that it is going to reshape the way that all this NIL stuff is happening, because it is going to remove some of the power that the NCAA has for a lot of the wrong reasons. But I agree with you. This ruling is going to, I'm not agreeing with you in the way that you think. It is okay. going to open up catastrophically massive. There are going to be so many instances, undocumented, unreported instances of recruiting violations that cannot be held accountable for. But because, this is not because they will wrap it up in an NIL bow. Yes. Well, right now, my whole point is, is that the NCAA and Charlie Baker came in and was trying to reestablish new rules by setting precedent, by investigating Tennessee and then having a ruling handed down on the actions by Tennessee. But inadvertently, they set their own precedent in the opposite direction. They set the precedent now that if the NCAA wants to investigate you and you just said it, Schools are now just going to say, all right, we're suing you. We're taking you to the state courts. We're going to sue you. They set a precedent, one that is so damaging to the sport. This is my whole point, is that Charlie Baker did not have the foresight to know and to realize that something like this could happen because he tried to retroactively enforce something after he decided he wanted to make it illegal. If he wanted to properly handle this, Blake, he should have established new rules. He should have been very specific. He should have detailed those rules and dictated them to all of the schools and said, these are the rules going forward of what you can and cannot do. We are enforcing them from this day on. Anything you did in the past, we will look past, but we're moving forward with these new rules. But because he tried to do it retroactively, he is the one who opened this massive Pandora's box. What did he try to do retroactively? He is trying. According to the Tennessee president, they said that the guidelines that were delivered 
were extremely vague after the initial NIL ruling back in 2021, which they were. It's not true. They were vague. They were incredibly vague. Can I tell you how they're not vague? How? Because I am using here right now from – I am not trying to be political, but this is from Senator Ted Cruz. The temporary bill, the way that I understand this, will – will bring some guidelines for there not to be pay for play. Joe, exactly what just happened. But that's Ted Cruz. What what was delivered? Do we have a the, the memo? Does do we is there even yes, a copy but, of the memo yes, from the Congress, NCAA? Congress gave them a memo of what they think they should enact. It wasn't final and it's not final. But they are trying to in, to enact those things. Joe, again, can we get I understand the argument of everything the NCAA has done in the past. I actually agree with you, too, on Charlie Baker, Baker, who has been in politics, should know how to play politics, should have seen that this could come and actually happen. I, he is not – I am not excusing Charlie Baker whatsoever. The problem is, is that I don't think it is a big deal if you have – a five-star quarterback that legitimately, okay, is on a plane with a booster. Like, what do we, like, how can, why can't they investigate that? And you know what else? Tennessee and the Spire group came out and said, and said that we have nothing to hide. Well, let me just say something. If you don't have nothing to hide, you don't sue the NCAA and federal and state court. You don't because Wait, what? Why would they sue them if there's nothing to hide? If there's nothing, if they don't have anything to hide, well, if everything if, that if, they did with Nico Iamaevea was above board, they would not have paid. Let me tell you why they. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. But wait, you mean to tell me that they're not going to collect a half a million, a million, two million dollars in attorneys' fees to fight them, fight this? Oh, but we're clean. We didn't do anything wrong then why not show that you didn't do anything wrong? But it's not a matter of, was the action incorrect? That's not where their whole argument but is But the based. action is incorrect. And everybody in their it's mama... It's not because nothing... There was no specificity in the, in, in the rules that were delivered to these schools in 2001. And most was presidents and athletic directors have was said paying, that... Was pay for play in there? Yes or no? It was not, but the vagueness of it no, opened up this. Right here, pay for play is the number one thing. Also, you're not paying a kid to play just because you're paying for him to get onto a plane. You mean to tell me that a Knoxville media group flew a kid from California to Knoxville to do an NIL deal, and you're not trying to get him to go to Tennessee? If, That's what if, you're telling me. If an NFL player gets on a plane to go sign his new contract and to do a visit, is that part of his contract and his compensation? No, that is just no. A, you a know what it's called in the you know negotiation. Called? You know what it's called? Tampering. Ask, Ma- ask, ask Magic Johnson what happened. If he's if he he's unsigned, signed. if he's unsigned, it doesn't matter. If a kid is if if there is no, we're not talking about a kid that's that's playing somewhere somewhere yet. We're talking about a recruit that got onto a plane traveled to a school and the school funded the trip and he got to be on a private plane. Well, the school that has nothing fund the trip. The Spire group funded the trip. That, okay, sorry, the Spire group, which, you know, it is 
tomato, tomato <laughs> on who on who's who's behind that. Fair. My, my point is, is that that's not his compensation. His compensation wasn't the plane. His compensation was the NIL deal that he was given and the money that he's making. No, just but- because the kid got onto a plane because you're trying to impress him does not mean that was part of uh, an inducement for pay to play. That's my whole point is that there was no, no if, if a if a billionaire flies to you right now and picks you up in a private jet and you got all the things that being on a private jet comes, you're going to tell me that's not an inducement. Stop the cap. As but that's the whole trade, point because you're not directly handing him money. You're spending a shitload of money to money. impress the That's what the NIL you're deal is. You're trying to impress the kid. That's what the action is of getting him on the plane and saying like, wow, son, look how nice this airplane right, is. So you know what I'm going to do? Let me tell you what I'm going to do as someone who does NIL deals. Okay. I'm going to take the number one recruit at Notre Dame and I am going to go pay him to come to Baton Rouge and tell him to come on. You're allowed to pay for his trip. There's nothing wrong with You're that. You're not allowed to pay for his trip. Joe, number one is a massive recruiting but that's the whole. Po- but that's the whole point that I'm trying to get at, is that the guidelines that were given out by the NCAA it's were so vague. That they- Joe, what, the problem that you and every, every college football media core seems to be forgetting, it is a recruiting violation. It was a recruiting violation. No, before no, NIL, no, it was no, no, a recruiting no, 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 violation. No, 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 no. Hell no. You know why it's not? Why? Because you legitimately have the IRS defunding an AM collective saying that it is it is not the guidelines of antitrust. So stay with me for just a second. You had the federal government taking down a collective. With Texas A&M. Do you remember, you remember that yeah. story that we talked yeah. about? Yeah. In that, they said that this was pay for play. The reason they had to take it down was – hold on, please, let me finish. I was they say said it was, go, it, was, it was taken down in a pay for play scheme after the big recruiting that Jimbo Fisher had in that year. That's why it got defunded. Now, you legitimately have the same type of situation. So we do have precedent that that is not allowed, even in a federal court system, when the IRS said, we have determined that this was a pay-for-play scheme. So you're going to have to identify to me that this is not, number one, how college football has to be set up. In the NFL, when you're drafting dudes, you go in order based off a bad record. Do you not? Yeah, you do. And everybody uses, oh, well, this is how they do it in the NF. It's college. It's recruiting. When you do something like that, it should be a violation. And let me tell you another damn thing. I see everybody on social media swatting down restrictions. But yet when a restriction, and Joe, we're just talking about an investigation. Did they do something that they weren't supposed to. Now, let me remind you of two things. In 2022, what were the two biggest stories in recruiting? Uh, Rashada and Nico. And why were they? Because of how much money they were given. And everybody said that regulations and restrictions had to come to NIL. It's why everybody went to Washington, D.C., Greg Sankey, Nick Saban, Charlie Baker, and everybody. Everybody says, hey, we want restrictions on this. This cannot happen. Then the NCAA investigates, did they do something wrong? And everybody goes, no, they did it in a wrong way. 
Joe, as someone who spent a decade in investigative work, you should not be tampered with in an investigation of wrongdoing. Uh, I, I just, I think that you're, to believe that a kid getting onto a plane is is wrong is not i i really don't think is the issue because it you is and i you no it's it, it's not you and i are going to disagree on this that aspect of it are you really going to here about to tell me that it's not pay for play with nico are you really about to tell me that cuz it's it, that literally doesn't make sense for it to be pay for play because all you're doing is getting the kid on the plane to impress him that's it what was okay. paid for play was signing the NIL deal. Was take signing the, the NIL deal. Take the plane away. Okay. A Knoxville group paying a kid from California to come there. Every NIL group is paying these kids. Every single NIL group is paying these kids. So why, why are we, if that's the – a booster on a plane to go and get them. They're not getting caught. You we can don't know that. There sure, are – Joe, yes, I, I do. I know that other schools are doing it. Yes, do I know that yes. they're not this yes. sloppy? Also, yes. yes. But does everybody in their mama speed on the highway? Hell yeah! But it doesn't stop the fact that you, when you get a speeding ticket, that you, as an individual person, weren't speeding. But the okay, the biggest issue here, and where where I think that you're you're moving past or you're getting stuck on before we get to, is that. What was presented to these schools, and we have presidents and athletic directors saying that it was incredibly vague, and they were merely operating under what they understood. It was really vague. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the Tennessee court. I'm talking about the Tennessee president. But that is what the court ruling, part of what it was, is that what – okay, the whole issue, though, here that I'm trying to get at and why the NCAA's actions, this whole process – are what has led to these problems. They are creating their own issues. They are constantly creating their own problems. It is bullshit for them to try to come to the table after the fact to try to enforce rules. If they wanted to get people to fall in line and listen, they would have presented options, or not options, rather, new rules, and they would have said, this is the new ruling going forward. Joe, can I recruit a kid during a dead period? No, you can't. Can I recruit it? If I'm a coach, can I bring a kid in in a dead period? Can I fly him to a game? No. Can a company that is the only company in their industry and restrictively enforce rules? Say that again. Can a company that is the only company within its industry restrictively enforce rules? Yeah, they're called the SEC, meaning not the conference. Yeah, the you legitimately gave me every federal agency in the world. Yes, I'm not talking about agencies. I'm talking about the. This is the problem, though, is that the NCAA is the only college sports entity, and what they're doing is an unfair enforcement of rules. Is it a rule, a recruiting violation, that you can be on a plane with a booster? Yes or no? I would argue in the modern NIL, I think that... No, 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 is, no, no. No, no, no. In what, no it, it was not specific enough to that. It is not specific to- enough to say that you can't put a kid on a private plane. Because they pay they pay for kids' p- flights commercially. Why is this suddenly... And it's well, not a universe. It, it's a, a booster. School does it's, it. a, 
It's a booster. It's not a universe. Okay, well then they could have no idea that, that that even happened. Okay. Well, you know what happened too? Can I tell you what happened exactly to what? Tennessee? Remember Walter Nolan? Yeah. You know Walter Nolan. Yeah. Remember in the um NCAA violations that everybody agreed to, Tennessee included that one of the restrictions that they got hit with was Walter Nolan being on the plane with a booster. That was pre-NIL. It wasn't pre-NIL. It was in 2000. It was in 2022. NIL was passed in 2020 or 2021, whatever it was. NIL was already enacted. I haven't seen that, so I don't, I can't speak. Well, it's part of the Jeremy Pruitt investigation and Tennessee agreed to it. So you already was it the, wait, wait, but was it you already agreed that in wrongdoing on the same violation that you let Jeremy Pruitt on? Was it now, the core basis of that investigation though? It was the fact that they were putting money in bags. A, and yeah, it was it, it was the reason that they found what was going on. It was the sole basis. Jeremy, one of the, Jeremy Pruitt wasn't at Tennessee. He was the head coach of Tennessee. Not in 2022. No, that's when the court case or that's when the NCAA came down on him. 2022, 2023. He was I – mean, so I, I don't understand where Walter Nolan comes into this because he was Walter there in Walter Nolan was being recruited. Remember the McDonald's bags of cash? Yes, yes. Okay, he was flown by a booster on a private plane to Knoxville. When he was a, when he was a recruit. When he was a recruit. They, Tennessee what recruiting State, class was Walter Nolan in? I, blank, I don't know. Probably 2021 maybe? He was – because it was the A&M big, whatever A&M's big class was, 2021, 2022, what, I don't remember. I think it was 2021. I, I'm like, because he'd have been a freshman in 22, 23, he was a sophomore this year, and he's going to be a junior at Ole Miss in 24. No, 2022 was his first year, which means he was a 20. 2022. If you're Jeremy, a freshman in 22, you're in the class. But I just I have no I have no understanding of how how Jeremy Pruitt, who was fired in 2020, that's would have the, gotten a kid on a plane and was suddenly involved in. But when did this flight happen? Because it had it couldn't have been no, after 2020. I'm not fighting all the. I'm not. I don't, okay, I we're not, let's stop talking about this things. part. Okay. okay. But it was a part of it because it was he was in the investigation. That but doesn't make any sense to me. That I mean, it had to have been pre accepted it before the ruling, though. Okay, no, the ruling comes after. All right. The, the bottom line for me is this. By the way, is my video? No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um. The bottom line for me is simply this: if we're gonna sit here and act like and say to ourselves, Joe, that this is not a problem. Okay, that schools now, which had a SEC coach tell me today that it's already starting to be a problem of boosters getting kids to fly in to where they're at. Joe, the wild, wild west just got wilder. You like maybe I don't, dis- I don't screw this part. Okay. I really don't disagree with this part. Then, the, it, it, then let me ask, let me ask this then. Maybe because I need somebody to tell me where maybe where I'm missing. If this court case ruling for Tennessee and Virginia makes the wild, wild west of recruiting even wilder, then what am I missing? Right? Like, I get that the NCAA has done a lot of bad things. I don't, I, I agree with everybody. I agree with players being paid. NIL, I have done them myself. 
What I struggle with is how everybody can see that that was an issue and that maybe it should have been investigated and everybody say to themselves, well, hey, man, you know, go, go Tennessee. Rocky Top will always be home sweet home to me. Why is everybody defending Tennessee when everybody knows that this is going to make the sport even crazier? Like, why can't we have restrictions and guidelines? Like, for once, like, let me give an example. The I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Okay. All I was going to say was they're defending Tennessee because they were all doing it. They were all doing I'm something I'm talking about the similar. media. I'm talking about the media. I'm not talking about colleges. Actually, to be honest with you, I know of three coaches in the SEC right now that was hoping that it didn't pass so that their jobs didn't get tougher. I just and I look, I get what you're saying that and this is this is all what I'm getting at. Like I think that you and I actually have commonality in this in this thought. So what the, am I missing? What do I what am I missing? The thing that you're that I think that you're missing is what I've been trying to say earlier is that the NCAA and Baker's decision to try and go after Tennessee before putting down rules and then saying this is what we're following going forward he tried to without any specifics investigate them that's where this becomes messy and this is why i think that the court case is moving as expeditiously as it is and why it is going against the ncaa is because the argument can be made is well what are you really investigating us for can the ncaa just can wait one second can the ncaa just decide to investigate whoever they want if they smell or just feel a little bit uncomfortable with with the way that somebody's doing something. I would agree with that. If Nico I am I if let me get it if it was Florida I feel more about that than anybody because the kid wound up not really going there. He signed he didn't go there. Okay with Jaden mm -hmm. Rashada. Joe I would agree if Nico wasn't there. I would also agree if they're not doing the same thing to Florida. Like, Joe, we, we got to have somebody that lays down some enforcement. We, we, I, don't, we, I don't disagree with we that. Have to. We, like, if, you, if anybody in their mama believes that what happened on Friday with Tennessee is not a massive problem, I, Joe, you didn't convince me. Like, you, but, all I heard from you just then was, Oh, so they've done some bad things in the past. Okay. That's what I said. Okay. Well, you didn't let me finish. They okay. they done some bad things in the past and that they're investigating something that quite honestly they don't have guidelines over. But Joe, they cited the guideline in the temporary restraining order. The guideline that they're going after is investigation of antitrust misplacement. Maybe not misplacement or whatever the last word is. They cited it. There but, are okay. Joe. There are nil guidelines that everybody is is. I think Joe. Can I ask you a question? Is it is it a problem to have a guideline that says pay for play is an issue? That if I go and get no, a kid, there's in, nothing wrong with that. There's okay. nothing wrong with that. Okay. So how can we go from? Everybody and their mom is saying that what's going on when Nico was being recruited and Rashada was being recruited, that this is an issue to now turn around and say, 
Um, NCAA, you suck. Because, again, what I've been trying to say here is if they just decided to let Tennessee be, if they just let them be, and they didn't open this can of worms, there was a right way to do this and there was a wrong way to do and what, this. And what was the way they should have done it? They, I said at the beginning of the show, they should have, Baker and the NCAA should have put together, this is the very strict ruling on what is going to be allowed and not allowed going forward. But they could have sued that on that too. This doesn't change them suing. Uh, I, I, but okay, wait. I would, I disagree with that though. I, I don't know if, if it's a foregone conclusion that that other schools would have sued. I think that t- that Tennessee felt like they were being made an example of a second time in a row, is why this immediately went to court. No, but, wait, wait, wait. But the, but the, the anti, wait, wait, wait. The antitrust issue, though, in my just in my eyes, the way that I've seen this has more to do with the fact that they're unrightfully investigating a program just because they feel to feel the right to do so. That's where the whole antitrust thing comes into play is that you're trying to prevent this singular entity from zeroing in on and attacking specific programs that are a part of its organization. I don't think any other school, if they set rules and they were very specific rules, and they said, this is what you cannot and can do with NIL. We're doing this going forward, and if you violate it, we're going to investigate you, and there will be penalties that are going to be held down. I don't think that we would have we would have gone in this direction. But for some dumb reason, their decision was, we're going to just investigate, and then we're going to try and set a precedent after. Well, the problem I have with that is, Okay, with this court ruling, here, here's my bottom line. The problem that's going to happen is, is the wild, wild west is going to get wilder. There's going to be more chaos that surrounds recruiting in NIL, even though I'm looking at, you know, the Division One Council's rules of NIL per the NCAA and guidelines that they do have. Okay, Joe, it's been four years since NIL has become a thing. Four years. Since uh, either July 1st or August 1st of 2020 was when it went into force. Joe, we're sitting here in February of 2024 and nothing's changed. Everybody keeps telling me that all of this has got to break down for things to change and then we'll get, you know, the sport back in a right track. What? We've been waiting four years. Joe, I could have gone to school and graduated by the time that any enforcement comes down. Y'all, everybody thinking that this is, that, oh, well, we'll just figure it out. And the, NC, the, the government and everybody, the conferences will figure it out because it's going to take one son of a bitch to go up to Greg Sankey and says, you ain't going to investigate me. And he goes, you're right. I'm not. I, this was going to take time though like this process was going to take time i don't i don't i don't know what to say to that part i just don't think that their approach was the right one they dug their own grave they have made this situation we have to point the finger at somebody we can't just point at somebody who potentially did the wrong thing it's not this isn't tennessee's fault this isn't tennessee's fault How in the good goddamn is this not Tennessee's fault? 
just because they're the ones suing does not means they're the does not mean that they're the no! ones. Again, they're saying that you're picking on me by an investigation. Yes. Bitch, stop doing NIL or recruiting violations. Okay, but there has been so many changes and so many issues that have occurred in the past few years. It is impossible to keep up with it. It's not their fault that they're just trying their best to stay competitive with the modern college landscape. I agree with this. This is the big thing that I agree with. That uh, Cody says that the real problem is the NCAA try to make it an NIL problem when it's a recruiting violation. That's the big problem that they messed up on. Uh, it's going to create, it's going to, I, in a year from now, me and you are going to be on a show. I don't want to hear a word about this crippling the sport. Because it's going to cripple it's, it. It's going to. I don't think it's going to cripple it. I think it's going it's to hurt. It. No, because you know, actually, like let's let's really talk about this part. Okay. What happens in the result of this is not the sport getting worse. It, it is, is. It is for other people that cannot pay for play. We. I mean, we didn't even talk about or take this angle. This is the biggest next step in separation of the biggest conferences plain and simple i would i'm I, i'm just going to be honest with you i much i much greater trust i trust much greater the big 10 and the sec to handle this and and to figure out the proper direction for this if you really believe that greg sankey or tony pertiti will come down with any kind of enforcement. Joe, look what it took for him to suspend Harbaugh. Look what it took Tony Petit. That was in the Harbaugh. that was in the middle of a season. I don't give two Rudy Poos. situation. I don't give two Rudy Poos. He got he's got Connor Stallions on the sideline of a of a of a Michigan but State game. You can't just you can't just deliver punishment for something that hasn't been effectively. You're right. It's got to be investigated, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Ask Tennessee, ask the NCAA if they were trying to do the same thing. But oh, those are such completely different issues. Those are such okay. completely different That's issues. Fair. But Very but fair. my point is is though is that my main main takeaway from all this is that the NCAA's power is continually being crippled, and all this is going to to yeah, after yeah. the joint venture by the Big Ten and the SEC, they build what they see as the future of the sport. I think a lot of teams are going to join and follow them and that they're going to separate from the NCAA. Good luck for March Madness. That, I, I don't have no idea what's going to happen with that. Okay. I almost don't think they care. Yeah, they don't because all the money that they make from football, they will protect <laughs> football at any at any cost, no matter what happens. Let, yeah. let me say this, too, to your point. I, I think that you'd label this segment, you know, does this cripple the sport? Can I tell you in my view why I think it cripples the sport? Why? Be because there's no amount of drama. Like, Joe, the drama is about to pick up in recruiting. It, it is about to massively pick up because there's nothing for a booster to call a big-time prospect and in the open do NIL deals. Like, I, I mean – at least we had people 
in the shade. At least we had people that weren't doing it. So, Joe, let me let me just tell you this. When a big-time recruit flips on signing day because a booster wanted him to come to his school and it's God forbid it's your school, you're going to say, oh, my God, we got to do something. Well, you, you can't. And if you think that they're like this is going to be – the only way it won't cripple the sport is if Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti move massively quick and say that we have come with a joint – we have joined forces and said, anybody in our conferences, we are going to pop you with it. Well, and the other aspect of this, too, the only way that you fix this now is revenue sharing. It's the, I don't, it's it, the only way because, because the, wait, 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 there's, there are, you cannot have recruiting inducement, all that stuff if, there are multi-year contracts that the players sign that they can't leave after a two, three-year period that they can't um, be tampered with. They're locked in at their their rate. They don't really, they don't have to do any marketing deals or anything like that. That's all separate from their their contract. The revenue sharing is the only way that we fix this. It can is I the only you, only way question? to fix this. How does revenue sharing stop a booster? for doing exactly what the Spire group did with Nico. It doesn't. But, okay, but this is... See, the sport, the sport is going to get professionalized no matter what, and this is what I said at the beginning of the show. If the, if an NFL free agent, free agent, gets onto a plane... Can we start with the NFL? Because we don't have... No, we have, we have to talk about the NFL when it comes to free agency. We because won't have the, a collective the, bargaining agreement. We're going to get a collective bargaining agreement. In the okay. next ten years, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a union, a collective bargaining agreement. In the and, collective and bargaining track. agreement, there is a draft that happens. Are you gonna have a draft in recruiting? You don't have to have a draft. There are other sports internationally that operate without a draft. There will not be a draft. <laughs> you can you can talk about Real Madrid and and soccer. That that's not gonna work here. It legitimately Why? isn't. Why? Because we're talking about college athletics, and you, Joe, does Real Madrid have recruiting like this? Yeah. No, they don't. They don't have a hundred thousand boosters. Okay, sitting in the stands. Eight yeah, they times. got a front. They got a front office that's funding everything. They have a billionaire but, that's funding wait, everything. Wait, wait, wait. But this is what I'm what I'm talking about here, though, is that if the money. I mean, first of all, these schools have so much money. They, they do. They really do have a lot of money. The schools, being the ones who control the contracts, removes the aspect of needing the booster to do anything. And if boosters do become involved, that's where the punishment comes in. A year from now, I'm going to be on this show and say, I told you. I told you. And I don't want to hear a word from anybody. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think it needs to be that grim. I really don't think it needs to be that grim. It, it, I'm not being grim. But I know what every I know what coaches go through on a daily basis, okay, and what they're telling me, Joe. They were begging and pleading for this not to happen. By the way, I found okay. All I'm just going to say is I found in some of the policy on the NCAA website. It is really vague. Um, I, we don't need to get into it, but it is really vague. No, it's not. Can we talk about Eric Bieniemy? Yeah, let's talk about Eric Bieniemy.
Let's talk about our good friends over at Homefield Apparel. We'll back, be back in one minute. Eric Bieniemy to UCLA. You were right. We went over 40 minutes on that segment. I told you. Be back in a second. Rafino and Joe Show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan. Maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake or maybe you're an Alabama fan, whatever it is, even Idaho. They have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R U F F I N O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. You see the smoke about Jane Daniels to the Raiders? Yeah, I've been seeing that. If they can trade up. It's funny. Who told you about that three weeks ago? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you going to make me go find the clip? <laughs> Eric Bieniemy has been hired as the next offensive coordinator for the UCLA Bruins. Deshaun Foster getting a very, very big-time addition for his uh, uh, coaching staff with hiring Eric Bieniemy. Uh Joe, what do you think about this hire? Yeah, I said at the top of the show, I, I, I thought that Deshaun Foster was a little bit of a – I mean, I'm going to repeat it. I thought it was a little bit of a lazy hire. A uh, guy who didn't really have much experience calling plays, didn't really have any head coaching experience, none of that stuff. was very wary about the hire. Him getting Eric Bieniemy to call plays is so huge. I would have thought and I would have made the argument that Eric Bieniemy would have been the perfect guy to be the head coach. Yeah, this would have, that would have been a perfect job for him to be the head coach of UCLA and then to really build up his his resume, his repertoire as a head coach as so many people have doubted his capabilities as a head coach. But I know for a fact, to focus on him as an offensive coordinator, that he's a brilliant offensive mind and he has been around one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL for a very, very long time in Andy Reid. Their offense maybe not this upcoming year because they've got a lot to figure out roster-wise, but they could be very explosive. They could be one of those teams that sneaks up on you and and catches you off guard when you're not paying attention. He's a great coach. This is this is an awesome get. I, I'm not eating my words on Deshaun Foster, but I will give a lot of credit to him for convincing Biennemi to join the staff. I will, on my words about him, I, let me tell you what I think two things are happening. Number one, I think Chip Kelly pissed off the people at UCLA, and Joe, I, I think that they made a financial commitment to go and get an off getting an offensive coordinator that can come in here and really call plays. Joe, I think it's a big deal. Now, coordinators don't necessarily always recruit. What that's what I think Foster will come in here and do. Joe, this is one of the biggest splash hires in college football that we've had, obviously since Chip Kelly left and went to Ohio State. I, I I just got to admit I I was caught off guard by this. If I'm being honest, yeah, I think I was everyone caught, was. Well, right. I, I'm so caught off guard that 
Joe, do we have to start taking Foster as a little bit of a like, hey man, can UCLA actually come in here and do something? Can they? Can how big is this hire? Because if they're gonna, if they'll make this hire once, they'll make this hire again. From a coordinator standpoint, I mean. Uh, well, so here's one thing that I, I think we don't really have any context on is I wonder what the relationship is like with Deshaun Foster and Eric Bieniemy. Like, I, I wonder, because I, I have absolutely no idea if there is any connection to the two of them or not. Is this a proof of them being willing to spend the money and go out and grab a huge name? Or is this an example of Deshaun Foster just being able to use his contacts well, which both things are hugely positive. They're, they're both hugely, hugely positive for the direction of this program. I kind of, I kind of see where you're going with this. I, again, regardless, if he's there for, he's probably only going to be here for like a year or two. He's probably going to jump back up to the NFL before we know it. And then he's had to pay a buyout. Uh, I wonder what his buyout is. I don't know, but they'll have to pay it. I would wonder if his contract, if he didn't deliberately put something like that in there. Who, who really knows? Who really knows? But. Why wouldn't he? I mean, it protects his school. I mean, he doesn't. He wouldn't mind if it's a million dollars. A million dollars. He's also from LA, by the way. I didn't know this. So he's he was born Eric in Louisiana. Bien-Aimé? Yeah, he's yeah, he born, born in Louisiana. Yeah. He was born in the New Orleans, but he it says uh, it's a Colorado. Played running back. He well, yeah, he played running back in Colorado. Uh, but he uh, went to high school in West Covina, which is not far from LA. But originally, when they moved to to the area, he was in Hollywood. So he's familiar with the area. I don't know if he doesn't go out there and recruit a little bit. I don't know if UCLA uh-huh. recruiting aspect doesn't start kicking USC's ass. U- UCLA in 2005 when he was the recruiting coordinator, how were they? They were the 16th ranked. They were 10 and 2 that year. Hey, now. They were a good football team. Uh-oh. UCLA on the come up. Uh, from the on the field, Joe, I will be interested to see how play calling changes with him. I mean, obviously, like the big thing in college is that the hashes are wider. In the NFL, they're much more narrow. Okay. I know that that's a big deal, obviously, because quarterbacks have to make bigger throws. I think this, like Joe, I mean, and obviously my team plays them in, in a couple of weeks uh, early in the season. I am so intrigued to watch them play. I, I think for me, they are the most intriguing West Coast team out there right now. Yeah, it's never always a foregone conclusion that an offensive coordinator hire like this immediately hits the ground running because the games are very different. Yeah, right, right. right. It might not, but I don't know, man. I I think that I look at the Big Ten and I see a bunch of slow-ass defenses, and I just think of the potential here. I really like John Michael Sturdivant, who is very, very explosive. He was a bit unproductive at receiver for them this past year. If I have a pick for a random guy to win the Blitnikoff, it is going to be John Michael Sturdivant. Is Carson still back, or is he? did he go to the NFL? Uh, he went to the NFL. Okay. If he wouldn't have gone to the NFL, I'd have been like, man, he might have been, you know. Yeah. No telling what would have happened. I, I do think it's interesting. Obviously, the quarterback position is going to be a big deal. Um, what do they do there? I, I will say this, Joe. I went and looked at this the other day, and I wrote this down. 
Did you know that they have five offensive linemen that are seniors, four of them returning starters on their offensive line? I'm not that worried about the roster this upcoming year, especially because they hired Foster and nobody hopped in the so portal. You might think, so you're, what you're saying is, is if you're not mine of their roster right now, which I'm not really either, Jelly might win eight. They might win eight games. Without the enemy, I don't know if I'd be that bullish, but I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I think that this really raises the ceiling, not the floor, the ceiling for what UCLA does in in uh, in 2024. But where things start to get hairy is the next season when it's you know Bienemy's second year and he's probably looking on onto the next opportunity. And you recruited 10 kids and you don't really have anybody coming in in any depth, you're going to be scrambling. Like that, that's where things are going to get really, you know, not cut in time. Yeah. And and look, how does Eric Bienemy come into Death Valley in week four, I think, and take on LSU? Like, look, man, that's a bit, people are going to say I'm biased. It's fine. Could you imagine, as a head coach, your fourth game going to Baton Rouge at night in October with drunk people? Well, <laughs> the, the talent on that Dude. LSU defense is mediocre, so I'm sure he'll have a field day. I think people from a national perspective will say that. I think it's more play calling, but we'll see. <laughs> well, one yeah, can uh, see. I mean, Blake I'm Baker, saying that mostly Blake, jokingly. Yeah, I know you were. Uh, I like to hire Joe. I, I I think this is one of the bigger hires that they can make, and good for UCLA. Uh, let me ask you this question before we get to Dell McGee really quickly. Um, does this say something bad about Eric being me? I I will. From what I've heard, and I think from what a lot of people talk about. Uh, him not getting hired as a head coach, I think, has a lot to has something to do with his personality, and I think some people have not liked working with him. Um, but I don't know from enough close interaction to know if there's truth to that. So I'm not gonna well, actually, give it. Kind of do. I mean, you got I, I just think McCoy, it's a, you got Lashawn McCoy out there saying how big of a piece of s he was on first things first or whatever that show is yeah i i just don't want to make any assumptions i think he could be a great head coach also be a piece of shit too right exactly i think he could be a great head coach i just think a couple things didn't bounce his way a lot of people discount how difficult it is to to interview for a job opening when you're playing in a super bowl when a lot of times the those guys that get hired away are usually from teams that lose before the championship round or in the championship round. I, I just think it's uh, teams getting patient and they rush that decision. So it was hard for him to get one of those jobs. And then, you know, he bails, he goes to Washington and that was a bad decision because he's jobless. So I, I in five years, if he's an NFL head coach, I would not be shocked. I don't, dis I don't disagree with that. Um, apparently McCoy likes strippers. Apparently, I, I do know this to be true. Apparently, Airbnb loves strippers. Um, Thanks, Rack. Can I just ask a question? Who doesn't like a good stripper? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. All right. 
Good for Deshaun Foster in UCLA. Uh, Joe, not the only coaching news. Dale McGee, the running backs coach uh, for Georgia, is heading to Georgia State. Our good friend Graham Coffey over at Dogs, uh, Dog Nation uh, reported that before everybody else, and he didn't get any of the credit. But on this show, we're going to give Graham Coffey uh, his due there. Uh, thoughts of Dale McGee being hired as the next Georgia State coach? And a two-part question here. Dude, K- Kirby is the living Nick Saban. These coaching departures and, and hires that he makes is showing why he is he's the bowl cut Nick Saban. That's the truth. I, I'd actually go as far as to say his coaching tree might be more successful than Saban's. Because this imagine this early on in Saban's coaching tenure. How many guys did he have leave to take jobs and they hit the ground running? And then also at wait, wait, here's the craziest part. A lot of those guys were much, much younger coaches that have taken opportunities and done well already. Fran Brown hasn't even started yet, and he's recruited his ass off at Syracuse. It sucks at Syracuse. There isn't shit to do in that cold nothingness, nothingness area in goddamn northern New York. And he's recruiting kids to go play there. And then on top of that, Dan Lanning has been amazing at Oregon. Amazing at Oregon. Technically, I, I just, Dan Lanning is a Saban prodigy. But he was the defensive coordinator. Yeah, but most recently he was a defensive coordinator. The at- problem with all of that, and I love my Georgia Bulldog faithful here, the problem is is that you can't say that his coaching tree is better when he can't when, – when you literally got the coach that came from Saban's yeah, coaching tree. But it's a separate tree, though. It's a branch, no, and then there's a separate tree. Really. It was Not a seed really. that fell off the tree, and the other tree is already starting to grow really big really quickly. I mean, technically, all of this comes from Bill Parcells, if you really okay. think about it. Uh, and, then who, and then who hired Bill Parcells? Who, who hired Bill Parcells? I, I, wanna, I, I honestly go, do, do we need to go back to Adam and Eve here? Like, do we see stupid that gets? <laughs> I think it all just comes down from, from Bill Parcells. Uh, but – I get what you're saying. Your thoughts really quickly on Dale McGee and then uh, what you think more on what Kirby has done here. I think yeah, it's I just, a concern, which I'll talk about, but yeah. continue. I just think it's really hard for a G5 program to steal away an assistant coach like this and to get Dell McGee is so freaking great. I also think that when you're so successful at, at a place like Georgia, even as a running backs coach, like that is transferable to a program like Georgia State. It's all about culture. It's all about the core that you build there. But I still stand by, you know, I really think that that Kirby is really building a, a, a unreal coaching tree of guys that are going to go on to be great head coaches uh, in college football. I'm not worried, though. Like, I, I, don't really, I don't really think that there's anything to worry about because he's just going to find the next guy. Like, how many times has he just found the next guy? He's He's I- been developing coaches. I agree with that. But can I give one caveat? Yeah. I agree that we have seen Saban do it and go on and win a national title when he's had this much staff turnover. You hadn't really seen Kirby do it. And I do think there has to be something to be said when you have that much like that much staff turnover, there has to be question marks. 
Because no, no, yes, because Joe, have you ever seen him go through this much staff turnover? Joe, literally, think about this. Wait, wait, but what red flags would that would that bring up? Like, what are you implying? But what is? It's not red flags. What's their standard? What's Georgia's standard right now? It's to what? Win a national title. And if they don't again. And there's a position group that struggles that historically didn't what, running back that had this many issues. Like Joe, what if Trevor Etienne is is really struggling coming out of the gate? I would argue maybe that has more to do with the offense than it does with the new running back. Anything? To, well, I mean, when you had that much staff turnover, what? I mean, could it have anything to do with that much staff turnover happening? Now, I, uh, I, do, I, I do lean on the side of you, though. Let me make my point clear here. Okay. I okay. do lean on the side of you. I'm I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. I think that they're probably going to win a natty. But I'm just trying to play a, a devil's advocate on everybody else in the country has this kind of staff turnover. It's a problem. I don't uh, – okay, but staff turnover at other programs – doesn't happen the same way it happens for Georgia because they're not all there's only been so many programs the last 30 years that have won multiple national titles consecutively like them losing guys is just the fact of they have aspirations to become head coaches and all of these other programs are like we want a piece of that we want to get somebody that's been a part of a winning national championship winning program. So we're going to hire guys. I, I think a positive way to look at this is very rarely do they, they very rarely lose assistants to go take coordinator jobs. And they also very rarely lose like, like there's a lot of success. Like a lot of guys move up within the staff. It feels like. Saving. Yeah. Which is why I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's different when somebody else enacts it. I agree with you, though. I, I will just be curious to see if there's any kind of lingering effects. Because, look, man, Georgia's got a really brutal schedule now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Joe, right now, they play five ranked opponents. That's more than anybody in the country. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be somebody in their schedule that is going to be ranked that they're not thinking that they that they you know, Joe. What happens if Florida's ranked? I went over this on my SEC, the new SEC show that we're doing on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a thousand percent sure that you don't have a four and two, five and two Florida going against going up against. Oh, now Georgia. you're in the boat of saying that no, Florida's no. going to. No, 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 no. I said that they're going to be four and eight, five and seven again. No, but Joe, we literally did that last year. Remember, remember for the largest cocktail party, we were like, "Hey, man, Florida's five and two. Graham Mertz is coming off a performance where he threw for over three hundred and fifty yards." I mean, we legitimately did that a year ago. So Florida uh, could be Joe. Joe, if Florida's five and two, are you a thousand percent sure that they're going to leave a five and two SEC team unranked? Yeah, I'll probably rank them. Okay, that's my whole point. So again, they gotta dude, they gotta go to Texas. Don't they have to go to Bama? I think they're gonna be fine. Their roster is so completely stacked. I I I am not gonna doubt Georgia. I've made the well, mistake once. 
I'm going to I'm going to throw this one thing your way. So who are they going to throw the ball to? They got that big white kid from Vanderbilt. Landon Humphreys is 5'10". Is he's not that big? Uh, I'm, I'm mixing him up with someone else. They got a white tight end from Stanford. Yurisek is going to be a really good football player, by the way. By the way, is I wonder if Yurisek is related to Brady. No, Landon Humphreys. Landon Humphreys is six foot three. No way. Yeah. Yeah, he's six three. I knew he was big. That's what she said. Oh Jesus! Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for that. I mean, you did. You did. All right. I think Kirby will be fine. They probably win a national title. Exactly my point. Don't doubt. I made the mistake of doubting him. Don't doubt them. I, I I'm. By the way, I'm now gonna go end up looking up after this. Who was on the Hastings 1964 coaching staff under Dean Pryor? Because that was where Bill Parcells started. So that's the real who, initiator. Who Dean Pryor was the first person who hired Bill Parcells at Hastings. So one would one would argue he was the initiator of Nick Saban. Not really. I'm I'm mostly being stupid, but. You have nothing Who to say to that. Who Parcells coach for? Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. He was at he was the head coach at Air Force for a year. He was at Texas Tech as the defensive coordinator. Vanderbilt, Florida State. He was at Army as defensive coordinator. What was his record at Vanderbilt? He was a linebackers coach. Oh, he wasn't okay. the head coach. He was only a head coach in college once at Air Force. What was his record at Air Force? Uh, I can't figure that out. Wait, it's too hard to figure out. I'd have to really dig for that. I don't think they were very good because he immediately jumped up to the NFL after that. Okay. Nothing to add. <laughs> uh, I got a very, I got a very pissed off uh, SEC coach who apparently is watching our show. Oh no! And you want me to read you the text message? Are you if you if you feel like you're able to? I mean, I don't know what else. Is he mad at me or you? Oh, he said you're spot on. Meaning me. So he doesn't agree with me. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I mean, it's got three little. I mean, he's writing paragraphs over here, Joe. You know, he's writing paragraphs. Is he going to get pissed if you read that? No. He said, tell Joe. Oh, I can't say that on there. Okay. Tell Notre Dame you. sucks. Is that what he said? No, I made that up. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see you again tomorrow. Yes, back tomorrow. See y'all then. Peace.